Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as personalized recommendations or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for any investment, accounting, legal, and tax advice or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Despite all the negative news we're surrounded with, there are some amazing stories of people helping people that should get more attention and inspire us. This is this week's inspiring story. Uh, Here's one that touched my heart and I thought I'd share it with you guys. Students at Calsburg High School in Texas Notice their janitor, Mr. James, an 80-year-old retiree, had to come out of retirement because his rent had increased by $400. Seeing this, the students started a GoFundMe campaign with a $10,000 goal. What happened next was mind-blowing. Their initiative exploded and raised a whopping $250,000. A single TikTok video by senior Grayson Thurman was enough to amplify the message and galvanize support. The story celebrates the student's empathy and action, as well as the incredible power of community and our capacity to change lives through collective action. I'm inspired by these young change makers and reminded that no matter how small our actions may seem, they can create a ripple effect of kindness. So well done, you guys. Keep up the great work and keep looking for opportunities to help others. Hey everyone, this is Brent Foster, founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management and your podcast host of the Weekly Market Insights by Northbound Wealth Management. Here we go. Here's the headline. Stocks retreat. Powell talk goes hawkish. Today is August 28, 2023. Stocks fluctuated last week, jolted by fitful bond yields and headline news before ending strongly following Fed Chair Powell's comments on the monetary outlook. Uh, It's actually continuing on today. So we see green on the screen today. Uh, The Dow Jones Industrial Average slipped 0.45% last week, while the S&P 500 gained 0.82%. The NASDAQ rose 2.26 for the week, and the MSCI EFA index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, added 0.78% or 78 basis points. So what does that mean for the Dow? The Dow closed at 34,346 on Friday. Uh, Year-to-date, that's up 3.62%. The NASDAQ closed at 13,590. That's up 29.85% for the year. MSCI EFA index closed at 2,073. That's up 6.68% for the year. And S&P 500 closed at 4,405, which is up 14.75% for the year. The 10-year Treasury note keeps going higher, you guys. It closed at 4.25%. And uh, it's kind of... I think going to peak out here soon, but who knows? It's all predicated on what the Fed does with raising interest rates. Um, It's hard to see a 10-year at five, but um, it could happen. Um, Stocks manage gains. So let's review. Stocks rallied on Monday, which is this is last week, on upbeat sentiment over the earnings released from a mega cap semiconductor company scheduled for midweek, only to see that momentum fizzle the following day on weak retail earnings and a credit downgrade from a handful of banks. So that mega cap semi would be NVIDIA. 
Okay. Stocks resume their rally on weak economic data, which fueled hopes for future Fed dovishness. They also uh, rose on expectations that earnings from a leading AI chip maker would validate the AI narrative that propelled markets in the second quarter. Despite a blowout earnings report, stocks turned lower as investor attention quickly switched to Fed Chair Powell's presentation scheduled for Friday. After some initial jitterness, investors responded well to Powell's comments, posting gains to close out the week. So Powell, what do you say? He stands firm, right? He spoke on Friday at the Fed's annual economic symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, asserting that Despite considerable progress, inflation remained too high and additional rate hikes may be in the offing. He acknowledged that previous rate increases had not yet thoroughly worked their way through the system, so caution about further hikes was needed. Investors reacted to Powell's comments far better than in August of 2022 when a hawkish presentation, which was seven minutes long, sent stocks lower. Powell also addressed a growing feeling among investors that the Fed may eventually raise its inflation target to 25 to 3%. Powell rejected this idea uh, basically ambiguously, stating that the 2% target would remain in the Fed's inflation goal. This week, key economic data, well, there's a bunch, but not uh, super important. Consumer confidence, job openings, or JOLT survey on Tuesday, Wednesday, ADP report, and GDP Thursday, personal income outlays, jobless claims Friday, employment situation, and the ISM manufacturing index comes in. So notable companies reporting earnings this week. Tuesday, Hewlett Packard, uh, which is HP. Uh, Wednesday, uh, Salesforce, Viva Systems, CrowdStrike. Thursday, Lululemon, Broadcom, Dollar General, Dell Technologies, and VMware. There you have it. This week's tax tip is starting a new business. Well, if you're starting a new business, here's a tip that the IRS uh, shares for new business owners. Choose an appropriate business structure. The form of business determines which income tax return a business taxpayer needs to file. If necessary, apply for an EIN. An EIN is used to identify a business structure outside a personal identification number. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice, and we suggest you discuss your specific tax issue with a qualified tax professional. On this hashtag Women's Equality Day, let's celebrate the progress made, recognize the work yet to be done, and empower each other to keep smashing those financial glass ceilings. Did you know that women control more than $10 trillion, about 33% of U.S. household financial assets? A CNBC study projected that the number could top $30 trillion by the end of the decade. Although there has been progress in closing the gender pay gap, women just earn $0.79 cents for every dollar a man earns. We've certainly come a long way, but remember, progress is not the same as parity. Women, particularly women of color, still face a wage gap that impacts their ability to create wealth and secure their futures. As a financial professional, I see firsthand the power and resilience of women as they navigate the financial world and work to secure their families' futures. Who is a woman in your life that has defied norms, shattered glass ceilings, or helped advance the cause of women's equality? Let's celebrate their achievements and draw inspiration from their stories. Hey everyone, this is your technical analysis spotlight as well as uh, some reviews of 
uh, individual equities at times I will do that. And I just wanted to provide some comments and uh, just looking at one of Northbound Wealth's largest uh, investor holdings. Um, I, I think there's a, an excerpt out of this uh, JP Morgan piece that um, kind of summarizes what what also I think of Apple. Um, and it's written by Samik Chatterjee. And uh, it goes on to say, JP Morgan, as a, as a respect to their overweight of Apple, even now with its recent pullback, uh, we rate Apple shares overweight given our favorable outlook on iPhone and services revenues relative to investor expectations, catalysts to accelerate revenue growth and upside risk to our base forecast for about a 10% earnings CAGR. We see upside in several aspects of the business as well as financials that remain uh, underappreciated by investors, namely the transformation of the company to services, growth in the installed uh, base, technology leadership, and optionality around capital deployment, all of which together lead us to expect double-digit earnings growth and a modest re-rating for the shares. On valuation, we are maintaining our December of 2024 price target of $235 a share. Currently, uh, it's trading about $170, which is based on a PE multiple of about 30 times on your current year 2025 earnings estimate. So a 30 multiple, that's pretty rich. Uh, Apple shares have traded closer to a 30 PE following the re-rating on account of services growth, as well as expectations of better execution on the product cycle, which we expect to be a multiple. Investors are willing to return to attributing to the shares with beats driven by more sustainable secular drivers and iPhone and services with a larger installed base, higher share in 5G smartphones and better services monetization altogether turning out to be a strategic advantage for the company. Well, China's got to do well for them as far as uh, supply chains. Um, so that's got to be something as, as well. Let's see what the risk to the rating and the price target are. Industry downside risk, deceleration or contraction in the handset and smartphone market could be faster than expected. Economic conditions or shifting consumer demand could cause greater than expected deceleration or contraction in the handset and smartphone markets. This would negatively impact Apple's prospects for growth and the shares may fail to achieve our price target as a result. So there's also a risk in the increasing competitive pressures in international markets. So Apple is increasingly participating in international mar markets such as China and India, where local players, which are better situated, could leverage their position and pull on levers such as pricing to make the market more competitive. In addition, tariffs, enacted by local governments may further hurt Apple's ability to compete effectively in international markets. There's also some company-specific downside risks. Investment in new business strategies and acquisitions could be fruitless. Um, Apple has historically invested in new business strategies and acquisition. As such, success in these investments has low visibility at this time and could lead to greater than expected liabilities and expense. Additionally, new investments could have a negative impact on current operations by distracting management. Key man risk around the departure of chief executive officer. So while risk related to departure of management executives appear considerably lower relative to the past, we believe the execution on strategic priorities under CEO Tim Cook's leadership still presents modest risks to the share price. Although we see a strong group of executives to support business performance without disruptions.
All right. So that was kind of the summation of, of what JP Morgan's Samik Chatterjee CFA says on the equity research desk about uh, Apple. And uh, I happen to agree a hundred percent. And I think that Apple over the, over a longer market cycle is going to still be a great stock. They tend to adjust with the market and, and have gone through multiple cycles, maintaining high levels of profitability and, and cash flows. And so um, it's still one of uh, one of our largest holding. Saying that doesn't mean that you should um, speak to your financial advisor about your specific situation to see if that's the right fit for you. So on to the next stock. All right, let's talk about Disney. Philip Cusick, uh, CFA over at JP Morgan as well. What's interesting about what he says, gosh, Disney has just gotten absolutely slaughtered, hammered. I mean, this company has had misstep after misstep and stumble after stumble, even though it's got segments of its business that are incredible. I mean, they it, it was so bad they had to bring back Bob Iger to try to help right ship the company before he retires for a second time. And he might even stay on for a couple more years. We, we don't know. Maybe the board will keep paying him and, and keep him involved so that Disney can get back on track. So um, here's what Philip says. He says our overweight rating is, uh, so they remain overweight. It's amazing how JP Morgan remains overweight rather than underweight. And I'm looking at fiscal year end 21, 22, 23, 24 estimates, 25. And um, they kind of, they just keep climbing. But, you know, as far as revenue is concerned, um, Looking at free cash flow, um, looks like it's projected to increase quite a bit. So let's find out what what the overrate rating is. And if that's the case, I look at technical charts and it's like, well, at some point we got to step in and buy it. Um, it's trading right at a huge confluence of support around 83 and 80 bucks. If that, but if that $80 price breaks down, then gosh, it, it could be a large gap down for Disney and then might present a great opportunity for a long-term buy and hold situation. Um, even at 80, 83, it looks good. But you know, if we get a gap down into the 50s or 60s, gosh, that would be a great opportunity to pick up a, a good company if, if, if there's not too much damage uh, in the management team and the way they're approaching their business model. So uh, our overweight rating is driven by continued strength by Disney's theme park segment domestically and internationally, despite a potential slowdown due to the macro uncertainty with growth in the broader uh, DTC ecosystem slowing. So it is slowing. We welcome Disney's decision to pull its uh, fiscal 2024 subscriber guidance and uh, instead focus on profitability. Uh, valuation. We maintain our December 2024 price target of $125 based primarily on dis- discounted cash flow analysis that assumes an 8.5% uh, WAC um, weighted average cost of capital and a 3.5% perpetual growth rate. So alternatively, at our $125 price target, Parks could be worth, so it kind of breaks it down 12 times EBITDA or worth about 147 billion DTC at, uh, which is direct to consumer 
at 4x revenue or four times revenue, that's 88 billion, and the remainder at 7.3 times EBITDA. So risks to this valuation model. Now, let me remind you, it's trading at like 80s, 80s right now. And it and so their price target uh, by the end of uh, next year would be 125 bucks a share. So there's some time to kind of get there. Risks to the rating and the price target. So downside risks include number one, higher than expected investments and delayed profitability in the company's DTC business. Number two, slowdown in theme park attendance and per capita spend driven by weaker macro backdrop. Number three, greater than expected linear video subscriber declines. Number four, increases in live sports rights. And number five, volatile theatrical slate. Well, they got to stop offending all of us out here uh, in the real world, not in fairy tale land with their culture initiatives. Uh, I hope they kind of understand their consumer and who's buying their their product uh, a little better than they have recently culturally. So uh, hopefully they uh, kind of right ship that one. Failed marketing strategy, very much like Budweiser. Okay. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next equity to take a look at, which would be NVIDIA. Harlan Sir is the uh, is the gentleman that uh, follows NVIDIA on the equity research de- desk for JP Morgan. And, um, and they're overweight, obviously, with a in June, they had a price target of overweight of, of $500. Well, it hit that threshold. So let's see what they have to say. And, and just so you know, like, we're sitting here at fiscal year 2023 for revenue of 26.974 billion. By the end of 2024, it's set to be 53.44 billion. And then by the end of fiscal year 2025, 72.9 billion in revenue. I mean, that's just insane. Free cash flow is going to explode. Profitability is just crazy. So yeah, let's take a look and see what they say here. Harlan, sir. Okay, so we believe NVIDIA continues to execute across all segments. While the first half is typically seasonally weaker than the second half, we expect solid demand in PC gaming to be strong revenue driver for the company, offsetting PC uh, OEM, which is in secular decline. So we uh, expect the data center segment to grow strongly as hyperscale customers continue to embrace GPU accelerated deep learning for processing large data sets. We are encouraged by strength in the automotive and enterprises segments as well. Although strong adoption of autonomous driving in the markets remains to be seen, we anticipate significant upside in shares driving our overweight rating. Uh, The valuation, our December 2024 price target, assumes that NVIDIA trades at a 30 to 35x or times uh, multiple applied to a $20.50 of earnings power in current year 2025, discounted back to current year 24, uh, assuming a 12% discount rate. Our uh, outlook on $20.50 of earnings power assumes the team will drive its earnings power by 30% plus per year over the next few years, led by the continued strong uh, data center growth of data center growth, that's 30 to 40% uh, CAGR, uh, monetizing an incremental $14 billion of auto revenue pipeline and an incremental one to 2 billion of software licensing and subscription revenues over the next three to four years. So they really think that NVIDIA is going to be 
just crushing it over the next three to four years. Risks to the rating and the price target, although PC gaming demand seems resilient to macroeconomic weaknesses, uh, any macro uncertainty could weigh on PC gaming demand trends. Given NVIDIA's 53% exposure to PC gaming segment, any consumer PC gaming weakness poses downside risk to our estimates. NVIDIA's GPUs could gain lower than expected deployment into data center applications as well as hyperscale customers further adopt deep learning as a new and effective way of processing large unstructured data sets. Any significant decrease in the adoption of deep learning by hyperscale customers or increase in competition could result in downside risk to our revenue and earnings estimates. And that is what Harlan Sir says uh, uh, about NVIDIA, which I happen to agree with. Looking at this data, though, it's just amazing. Like you look at their peers, Marvell Technology, Advanced Micro Devices, Qualcomm, Samsung, MediaTek. Um, I'm, you know, they're, they've got these multiples applied and it's just, it's like sky's the limit for this company, basically. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, enough loving on this stock. We own it as a company. And again, this is not like unique recommendations to specific people or anything like that. These are, uh, just broad, uh, comments and analysis. Uh, so speak with your financial advisor. If you have questions about individual security selection, if it's right for you. All right, so let's get to the equity index technical update. Um, let's see. So we had recently the S&P 500 index bounced above support near about 4,300. Key short-term resistance now rests at 4,456 to 4,527 with seasonality turning bearish in late summer and short-term uh, trend momentum now negative for the first time since March. We expect bounces to fade shy of the resistance noted above and uh, downside pressure to build into the into early fall. Uh, I've been talking about that before. Uh, just watch the 50-day moving averages, watch the 200-day moving average for just broad trend ideas. But basically, um, I'm looking at the MACD summation index and some of the uh, probably 15 to 20 indicators I look at. And, you know, there's pockets of, of of signaling that we'll probably get uh, a consolidation, a correction. We kind of already have one. And then uh, we'll get through this period and probably move to the upside. And then visibility will be out six to eight months from now, which will put us into the spring of next year. So people start talking about recession again and another downturn and all that fun jazz. And we'll just continue to share our thoughts and opinions about where we think things might be going. So uh, at a minimum, we expect the market to be uh, threatening the 4,200 area in the S&P 500 in the weeks ahead. We see material probability that the, the, the slide breaks back to the year-long range that form below that threshold. So the S&P so far is hanging in there, but, uh, but as you can track it, it's kind of declining a bit over uh, the past three weeks. In, in August and seasonality wise, September is not that great of a month either, as is expected. So tactically, the trend momentum stays negative. Q's and the XLK are in correction, trading below the 50-day moving average. Apple is in oversold territory quite a bit right now, kind of trading below the 50-day moving average, but yet above the 200-day moving average. Um, consolidation going on, folks taking profits, getting defensive, rebalancing portfolios. 
And uh, so, you you know, if you're not long Apple, if you're not long some of these names, maybe it's a good time to be looking at it. Not 100% sure for your specific situation yet. Um, if you're if you don't have long exposure, some of the tech space, probably a good time to do that or look at doing that over the next several weeks or months um, uh, before you get into uh uh, a new cycle or new new uh, tactical seasonality heading into the end of 2023 and looking at 2024. All right. That being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this technical analysis spotlight. Um, I look forward to sharing more information and data with you. When was the last time you did something for the first time? I recently came across this quote by John C. Maxwell, and it resonated with me. As a financial professional, this mindset is crucial. It's about constantly learning, adapting to the changing financial landscape, and finding innovative ways to serve my clients. It's not just about doing things differently, but studying new topics, applying new tools, and considering new perspectives. This quote reminds me to embrace change, challenge the status quo, and never stop learning. Whether in our personal lives or professional careers, embracing first times can lead to growth and new insights. It's the unexpected turns that make our journey rich and fulfilling. I thought it was a shareworthy piece of wisdom. Maybe it'll inspire you to chase a first this week. Cheers to new adventures, big or small. Love John Maxwell and his leadership stuff. It's amazing. Check it out and uh, have a great week.